Hello, and welcome to Where the People Are. I'm Allie. And I'm Jesse. Today we are talking about the great mouse detective. The best mouse detective of all. The bestest of them all. This is a year we've already done. We God covered it. this. It's 1986, and we covered it in, I believe, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. So it was already a rough year. So I really had to do some like two to three pages into Google to find other facts that weren't all just super bummers. So. You just go like into badnews.com for this stuff because I swear everything is terrible all the time. A lot of it I got off Wikipedia, but I do sometimes have to just type in like weird things that happened in this year. (laughs) I don't know what we did before the internet. While we already covered the biggest hit of the year was That's What Friends Are For by I think Dionne Warwick and et al. The second biggest hit was Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie, a song I have never heard of. Neither have I. Didn't have very much staying power clearly Oprah Winfrey show makes its national debut. I know I usually have something snarky to say, but I just can't. I can't shit on Oprah. No, you can't shit on Oprah. She's. she's I didn't realize it started that early. I thought it was more in the 90s. No, 86. I think that it was, it aired in Chicago and like Chicago public access even before then. Right. But this was, this is when it all started. Good for Oprah. I think she has a show on the Apple TV. On the Apple TV? Yeah, the Network? Apple TV streaming service. Yeah, I don't have that. I got you it for ask free someone, with my phone. You should ask someone on Facebook if they have any suggestions. No, yeah, I just got a lot of shitty responses from fake geek guys. Haley's comet shot across the sky. Yeah, I space. put down that Jesse likes space stuff, so I thought I would Jesse loves include space it. Stuff. The comet appears approximately, this is what it said on Wikipedia, approximately twice per lifetime, which doesn't seem like a very scientific measurement because... Is Haley's Comet the 77-year one? I think so. I believe it was. So that's that's fair. So it happened... Yep, so this was uh, 86. The next one is... The next one's expected in 2061. I will be 74. I could probably live to that. I mean, unless our entire society Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It happened in 86. I was born in 87, so it's very likely that I won't even see it once in my lifetime, and I was promised twice. Do you think so, you're not going to live to 74? Not with the way things are going right now. Fair, fair. I was a whopping one-year-old when it went through the first time. What if you outlive me, and you see it twice, and I just won't even see it once? And then I'm winning. <laughs> totally own my debt, friend. <laughs> Suck it, Allie. I saw it <laughs> twice. <laughs> going to watch it from your grave. <laughs> It's rude as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Hands Across America happened. Do you know Hands Across America is? Oh, yeah. Had you heard of that? It's one of the strangest charity events that I remember hearing about it when I was younger. And it is depicted in Jordan Peele's film Us. They talk about it a lot. Um, I think that they bring it up primarily to to, to date the movie because it was set in the 80s. 
Uh, it was a charity event where people were supposed to form a human chain across America by holding hands. I'm not totally sure how it worked or how that translated to, I think it was uh, raising money for homeless organizations. I don't have very many details. I couldn't find very many details. So honestly, I don't think that it was very successful. I would be really surprised if they actually managed to pull it off all the way across America. They for sure did not. That's a very, very long distance. There aren't very many people in Wyoming. No. Even if they all stood side to side, they probably couldn't reach the whole way across the state. Probably not. The Phantom of the Opera debuts in London's West End. I love Phantom of the Opera. So, so the space one was for me and this one's for you. That's right. Ooh, Phantom <laughs> of the Opera in space. Ooh. That would be good. Yeah. He's an alien. He has sure. to live in a Parisian dungeon. <laughs> anyway, I love Phantom of the Opera. The first Studio Ghibli film is released. Ooh. It was written and directed by, of course, uh, Miyazaki. It was called Loputa Castle in the Sky, and it was released in August. And I have never heard of that one. I have heard of Castle in the Sky. I've never watched Castle in the Sky. I really haven't seen... I haven't watched seen... a lot of the Miyazakis. I really would like to I watch I haven't either. I didn't see Princess Mononoke until I was like... I think I watched it with Bradshaw. So was like That's my... when I watched it too. I watched it with Bradshaw. Yeah. I remember being All really... the shared experiences of having the same boyfriend. When we it were was younger. great. It was great. Yeah. I've seen that one. I've seen... I've Obviously spirited away because that one got really big. Mm-hmm. Ponyo. I hated um, Ponyo. I hated Porco Ponyo. Rosso. I loved Ponyo. I hate there was something about it I hated. Oh, I loved it. Maybe I've seen Porco Rosso because Ted liked that one. Porco Rosso? Yeah, it's I've about a heard of it. like World War II pilot who was a pig. He loved World War II. Yeah, I don't remember anything beyond that. I think it's World War II. I could be completely wrong, but that's what I remember of it. We just watched my neighbor Totoro. Oh, Totoro. Not Totoro, like I and everyone else I know has been saying it. That was cute. Oh, and I've seen Howl's Moving Castle. I love Howl's. Well, they're all on HBO Max. I don't have HBO. You won't give me your password. Sorry. And on July 2nd, 1986, Disney's 26th animated feature film, The Great Mouse Detective, was released to tiny rodent applause. The Great Mouse Detective, directed by a whole slew of people. Ron <laughs> Clements, who we've talked about before, he did Aladdin, right? Yes, I believe so. Bernie Mattinson, David Meichner, and John Musker. Bernie Mattinson's name makes me laugh because it's spelled B-U-R-N-Y. And for some reason, that's funny to me. I like In the way that, that Bernie with an I-E is not. Because it has the word burn in it? Pro- well, yeah, maybe. Do you remember yeah. that guy from Torchwood, Burn Gorman? Which one was he? He was Owen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His name is Burn. I always thought it was kind of cool, but not Bernie. That's weird. Bernie makes Bernie it. is weird. Burn is cool. Burn is pretty legit. I like that Burn. That makes you sound like a badass. Yeah. What's your name? I'm Burn. I'm Burn. I, I, my you? name's what I do. Get out of my face. <laughs> the music was done by Henry Mancini. Basil embarks on the greatest case of his career when London's master toy maker is kidnapped. He ends up pitting his wits against his old adversary, Professor Radigan, who wants to become supreme ruler of all mousedom. I mean, I guess, is he, is Flavisham really, like, London's master toy maker? I was wondering that as you were reading it, because I don't think that's ever established. Like, that's, he just has a little toy shop, like, nothing is ever, I mean, clearly he's very good at what he does, Yeah, but, but... it's never, like, established, like, oh, it's Flavisham. Yeah, it's a t- pretty tiny shop. It's all tiny stuff. It's mice. They're mice. That's right. They're They're people too. Released July 2nd, 1986. It had a budget of $14 million and a box office of $38.7 million. Pretty good. Not bad. It has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the classic Google yes, no is 94%. To yes or no? I think that's just the yes. Okay. But you're not sure? if you say no, it brings that percentage down. Hmm. 
It was nominated for the Best Motion Picture for the Edgar Awards and a Young Artist Award nominee for the actress who played Olivia, who is Suzanne Polatschek. Polatschek? Polatschek? Something like that. Polatschek? Polatschek. Mm. And it was the winner for Best Sound Editing for the Golden Reel Awards. Well, that's not for nothing. Not for nothing. All right. The Great Mouse Detective. It's about a mouse who is a detective, right? Yep, but podcast over. Sounds good. Where did it come from? What is the story? Let me tell you. The Great Mouse Detective is based on Basil of Baker Street. It's a series of children's books by Eve Titus. Did you ever read those? I did not. I didn't even know it was a book. I didn't. I, didn't, I don't think I'd ever heard of them until I started doing research. The stories are based around Homestead. It's a small rodent community in the cellar of 221B Baker Street, the home of, I said, neurodivergent detective and literary hero Sherlock Holmes. There were originally five books that were published between 1958 and 1982, and the series was recently revived in 2018 with a different author. The latest installment was released in June of 2020. So the series is based on the characters and stories of Sherlock Holmes with a more kid-friendly twist of the characters being mice and rats. I'm not sure why that makes it more kid-friendly, but... Well, because kids don't like real adults, Allie. Obviously, they only like small animals. I guess so. Basil is the Sherlock Holmes equivalent, and Dr. David Q. Dawson is based on Dr. Watson. Holmes is arch nemesis professor james moriarty is portrayed as professor patrick radigan and is predictably a rat uh sherlock holmes is the best known detective in literature he was developed in 1887 by sir arthur conan doyle and has appeared steadily in stage television radio and film adaptations for over a century i had no idea about this until i started doing some poking around for this section uh sherlock holmes holds the guinness world record for most portrayed literary human character in film and television history with over 25,000 different adaptations. That's a lot. That's so fucking many. That's crazy. Holmes is depicted generally as a brilliant but odd sleuth with a Spock-like sense of logic and reasoning that can make him seem kind of cold and aloof. Very, very practical. Dr. Watson, his definitely not boyfriend, frequently served as comic relief or at least as kind of a humanizing element to the story. Watson, I know, eventually gets married and like has a family, so he's just a little bit more down-to-earth, relatable. Interest in Sherlock Holmes and his adventures has been rekindled in the past decade with the films starring Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. I believe Guy Ritchie directed them. Yeah. The BBC series starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, and the recently released Netflix film Enola Holmes starring Millie Bobby Brown and friend of the podcast Henry Cavill. That is three, leaving 24,997 more to explore at a later date. Fun fact, Bern Gorman, who I brought up earlier, is in Enola Holmes. Is he? I literally paused it and went, Bern Gorman, is that you? <laughs> oh, I haven't in... watched it yet. I really want to. It's super cute. It's really cute. I've never like, read the books. I, like, I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks legit. It's really fun. She's really good in it. I've only seen her in Stranger Things, which right. of course she's great in, and she was in that awful Godzilla movie. Oh, that's right. I but she did a really, that. really good job. And Helen Bonham Carter's in it. You know what? I'm going to say it. I really love Helena Bonham Carter. I know you do. 
I love her. I love Emma Thompson, so we're on different sides of the river. I also love Emma Thompson. I but love you can't love them both. Why not? Because Helena Bonham Carter ruined Emma Thompson's marriage to Kenneth Branagh. Okay, that's fair. I'm on but Team Emma. I'm also I don't on care team if it was Emma 30 years ago. I don't care. No, no, that's legit. I didn't, I guess I didn't, I don't pay attention to the personal lives of celebrities because I don't give a shit. I don't have anything else to do. So, Allie. Yes. I think this was your idea, wasn't it, to do this one? I believe so. What's your connection, sis? I went through a huge Sherlock Holmes phase when I was like probably 19 to 23. Yeah. I loved Sherlock Holmes. I read, I don't think I read all the stories, but I had the complete collection. It was like Barnes and Noble's two piece, two volume sets. I watched a bunch of the different movies, like the old Basil Rathbone ones. I still have the, I think it was the BBC in the 80s did a series starring Jeremy Brett that is absolutely brilliant. Love it, love it, love it. I just really like his character. I like, I'm not really a, actually a huge mystery fan i really just like the, i like the characters more so i had never heard of this movie until i was probably in my like mid-20s because it's not really a classic it was no, just before those, the like, renaissance underdog movies that yeah kind of happened and then doesn't get passed around as much so i thought that was it was going to be a really fun marriage of two things i really enjoyed and i still like it it's not one of my favorites but it's it's definitely better than i thought it was going to be i hadn't seen it in years i don't have like specific memories memories of watching it I don't remember doing it but like we probably got it from Blockbuster because that's what mm-hmm. we watched it from. like we'd go once a week and get to pick out a couple videos from the Blockbuster because I have vivid memories of the little wind up ballerina mouse yes and the singer in the tavern like those two things when they came out I was like oh I remember this right so I yes. must have seen it at some point but it didn't really like it clearly didn't make that much of an impression on me as far as like Sherlock stuff goes I feel like I should really like Sherlock but for some reason and he just irritates me as a character. Yeah, he is not very likable, kind of to the no. point where he can be really rude and cruel. And I think people. it really depends on who's portraying Sherlock. Yeah, you didn't me. like, like uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch one, did you? I liked the first season of the Benedict Cumberbatch one. My problem with that post the first season is that nothing changed. These characters didn't grow. They didn't learn from their mistakes. They didn't clearly didn't evolve. like evolve from where they had been. So that was my problem with that one. That's fair. I like the Robert Downey Jr. ones, but I think that's because I really like Robert Downey Jr. Those ones are really fun. Because it's him and Jude Law and like, please, I am all over that. And Rachel McAdams. Yeah, like, yes, please. Thank you. (laughs) And then, did you ever watch Elementary? Okay, here's the thing. So, Jacqueline told me that I would love it. She really enjoyed it. I can't stand Lucy Liu. There's something about Lucy Liu that drives me up the wall, but I just found out, I don't know how I miss it, that Johnny Lee Miller is in it. So Johnny Lee Miller? Isn't he the guy who plays Sherlock? I think so. And yeah. I do And then like Natalie him. Dormer is in it. She's in the show. She, she plays Anne Boleyn in the show that I'm watching. And I'm like, how are you in every show that like requires a corset and you trying to marry a king? Like every- clearly she has a type. God, she's annoying though. She always plays like a conniving bitch. Yeah, but she's pretty. She's okay. She's got a weird mouth. Well, she's going to lose her head in a couple episodes anyway. So I guess <laughs> there is one scene where he's like, I just love your neck. And I'm like, wow, great, subtle foreshadowing, writers of the tutors. 
I really liked Elementary. I thought it was a lot more... I think it modernized Sherlock in a much better way. She's like his therapist, isn't she? She's kind of... I think she's supposed to... I can't remember exactly what the setup is. He's like an addict, a recovering addict, and she's yeah. like basically like... Because he's a cokehead in the yeah. in the series, or yeah. heroin. So, and so she's basically like his like live-in support therapist or something like that. But okay. I think it did a really great job of bringing what Sherlock is into the actual like 21st century, whereas I feel like the BBC one didn't really pull that off very mm-hmm. well. It was kind of like, oh, we just threw in some cell phones and weird technology to make it seem modern. Yeah, it's still kind of But nothing dated. else got really modernized. Nothing about who Sherlock was or how he behaved got modernized. Do you, is it? Can you stream it somewhere? Maybe I should I don't start know. watching it. I think it. it's done now. I think it's over. It's so. over now. I think it actually ended like last year. Yeah, I, we didn't. I only watched the first couple seasons because then I lost track of it, and it's so hard to get back into things yes it is isn't it so maybe someday we'll get into it see who's i have hulu oh so you can watch it on hulu should we get into our notes let's do it let's do it so the idea of doing this film was first discussed during the production of the rescuers which was in 19 that one came out in 1977 did it really yes i looked it up Veteran layout artist Joe Hale is credited with the idea to adapt the book, but it got shelved due to its similarity to the rescuers, you know, because there were mice. The rescuers were mice too, right? They were. The Great Mouse Detective was the first Disney film to follow the Black Cauldron, which I think was released. Was it 85? Uh, we just did it. You think I would remember? We didn't actually do it, though. We just talked about doing it a lot. Oh, we talked about doing it. Oh, we did The Sword in the Stone. I get them all confused. That is a very different movie, yes. It is. I think it came out in 85. 85, yes. The Black Cauldron performed very poorly at the box office. It lost a ton of money. I couldn't actually find an exact number of what the budget was. It was between 23 and $44 million. I don't know lot. why that such difficult information to get it only made 21 million so it definitely whatever the budget was it lost money and it was at that time the most expensive animated film that had ever been made so disney was pretty gun shy about whatever their next movie was going to be particularly the new management included eisenberg and Eisenberg. Eisner and Katzenberg. Eisenberg, the unholy union of Michael Eisner and Jeffrey (laughs) Katzenberg. A chimera, if you will. But they were very reluctant, and there are a few articles I found about how Eisner really were kind of reluctant on investing too much into it because they were so gun-shy from how poorly the Black Cauldron did. So they were extremely invigorated by how well this movie performed because it said it made back like at least twice of what the budget was. It was originally set for a Christmas of 1987 release. Mm, okay. Eisner came in, cut the budget in half, and moved the date up to July of 1986. That's, that's big brain energy. animators a year to do this film, which is insane for an animated film. And it, there are parts where it really shows that they only had a year. I would love to be a CEO where all you do is you show up and you say, I want this. And they say, it's impossible. And you say, nothing's impossible. Make it happen. And then you leave. <laughs> That's that's what you do. Because it made so much money, so The Great Mouse Detective made about $39 million on a $14 million budget. This film is believed to have paved the way for the Disney Renaissance, which started three years later with with The Little Mermaid. Yep. It helped uh, kind of revive this whole studio, if you think about it. Yeah. If you think about it. It also was one of the first movies to use CGI. The Black Cauldron was the first one to use it, but I think that it was more extensive in this movie, and it was Mm -hmm. all in the end scene with Big Ben's gear. Years. 
Yeah. Which, I mean, I couldn't really tell that it was CGI, which is probably I good. wouldn't have pegged it as being CGI no. at all. So good on you, animators. Yeah, it was, it was kind of groundbreaking in its little mousy way. Mm-hmm. So the original title for this was just going to be Basil of Baker Street. Mm-hmm. Eisner decided to rename it to the Great Mouse Detective, feeling that the name Basil was too English. Kind of a dick the thing to say. retitling of the film was disliked by many filmmakers so much that <laughs> animator Ed Gombert wrote a satirical inter-office memo, allegedly by studio executive Peter Schneider, which gave the preceding Disney films generic titles such as Seven Little Men Help a Girl, <laughs> The Wonderful Elephant Who Could Really Fly, <laughs> The Little Deer Who Grew Up, <laughs> The Girl with the See-Through Shoes, <laughs> Two dogs fall in love, oh puppies God. taken away, and a boy, <laughs> a bear, and a big black cat. Wow. Uh, apparently, these generic titles would later become a category on Jeopardy. Oh my God, we would have killed that. We would yeah. have done so well. Puppy, Puppies taken away. <laughs> Eve Titus, the author of the book, named the main character after the actor Basil Rathbone, mm-hmm. who did Shakespeare, who did probably. Sherlock. He probably did Shakespeare, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's best remembered for playing Holmes in film, and his voice was used in this film for the spots where Sherlock is speaking up. Yeah, stairs. like a they, silhouette in the window. Yeah, so they used his voice, which I thought was kind of cool. I believe Basil Rathbone played him in Hounds of the Baskervilles, which was a pretty well-known one. Mm-hmm. I could be making that up. But I feel like I'm not. You could Google it, but otherwise we could just pretend we didn't know, and then someone yep. maybe Who someone knew? will actually tell us we're wrong. No one tells us we're wrong. We've got a great record so far. This was the first Disney film to feature the voice of Frank Welker, who is now Frank a staple Welker. of animation. He voices Toby the Basset Hound in this film. Uh, he's known for voicing animals, including Abu and Raja in Aladdin. Aladdin in Aladdin. Aladdin. <laughs> Flit in Pocahontas and Max in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He has also consistently voiced Fred Jones on Scooby-Doo since the show's inception in 1969. Really? He Isn't also did a bunch crazy? of stuff in George of the Jungle. Yes, he did. You're absolutely We've right. We've talked about he him for George of the Jungle and for Aladdin. Yep. Uh, according Frank to Walker, IMDb, we'll probably talk about him all the time. Probably. He has over 850 credits. It's so wild. It's go, crazy. Go you, Frank Walker. Yeah, dude. It's great. He's like a human Foley machine. Basically. I did not know Vincent Price was in this mm-hmm. when we started this. I uh, was wildly excited to see it. I don't know why, because I it's not like I have some like great love for Vincent Price. I just really think he's awesome. But he Sounds was, like you uh, have a great love for him. I do have a great love for him, but not like I've seen much of his stuff. I'm pretty sure I have like the exact same note a couple, couple yeah. notes down. <laughs> um, I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah, me too. Uh, so I didn't know Vincent Price was in this. He was, he'd been an actor for 52 years, and he was willing to do an audition for this. And he said, if anybody but Disney had asked me i would have been offended that's probably a smart thing for him to say right like don't piss off the mouse i my my note was that he was one of the best known horror actors of his age i think he was in i've got to stop just saying things i think he was in the original like house of Ten Thousand corpses like in the 60s no house of wax house of Ten Thousand corp that's rob zombie I believe he was in the original House of Wax. And the only thing I've ever seen him in is this, Edward Scissorhands, and that Tim Burton short, Vincent. Yes, that's about when where I When he narrated too. it, which is, if no one's seen it. But I feel like Vincent Price brilliant. is one of those like cultural touch points that you just know of. He has not... these close ties to like Edgar Allan Poe yeah. for me. 
which is what I'm all about. I'm all about weird, creep, like spook. I love sure the spook. Sure are. Who's spookier than Vincent Price? Not a lot. I mean, spooky and classy all at the same time. Oh, it's like the dream. It's the, the dream. dream. Spook, spookless. Spookless. Spookless? Spookless. Last, I don't even know how to push those two together. Barry Ingram, who voiced Basil, won the role within six minutes of his audition, so much that a, compel- a compelling portion of it was used in the finished film. That's easy. That seems wild to me. Like, they're like, yep, that was great. You're done. Thanks. Yeah, you're We're done. Gonna put that right in there. Amazing. Following a voice test, veteran voice artist Candy Candido, what a name, He's recorded a his dialogue for Fidget in one hour. It's a guy to named heighten Candy. the pitch, the tape recording of his voice was sped up. That's a lot to record in one hour. His that character reminded me a lot of the like goons in the Black Cauldron mm-hmm. and the goblins in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. This very like just kind of high pitched, weird, tiny, annoying guys. I feel like that's a genre. Or I have a, a few. Stereotype yeah, or... I have a few notes about that later. Um, Flavisham. Do we know his first name? Daddy. No, I don't. Know. <laughs> Daddy. I don't know that we ever get his first name. Maybe IMDb will tell me if he had a first name. Hiram. Hiram. Hiram Flavisham. So Hiram Flavisham is voiced by, you'd think I would have looked this guy's name up, but I didn't, I don't give a shit. The dude who did Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> well, who was not video. Scottish. So the Alan fact that Young, he, his name was Alan Young. Right. He wasn't Scottish. He was he American. He was actually. Well, he was born in Northern England. His father was Scottish, moved the family to Edinburgh when he was a toddler, and then they went to Canada. We're going to assume that wasn't his natural speaking voice Probably because it's not. so thick. So I think it's funny that it's literally the exact same voice that he used for for Scrooge McDuck. Is it really? Like, Oh, just listen. Absolutely. Huh. It's absolutely Scrooge McDuck. Because I'm more familiar with Scrooge from the Disney Christmas Carol, because that was my fucking shit when I was a kid. <laughs> also, I watched it last year and it holds up. It's still really good. So I know what his voice sounds like and it. It's very similar. Oh, he did all the DuckTales stuff too. Yes, he did. Shit, DuckTales was legit. I should go back and watch that. You should. I started watching it on Disney Plus. That and Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Oh, Darkwing Duck. Yeah. The terror that flaps in the night. What did you say her name was? Susanna <laughs> Palachnik? Something? Palachnik? I... The whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, this girl who's playing Olivia has the worst accent I've ever heard. And I looked it up and she is actually Scottish. So I'm very sorry, Susanna, that I, Suzanne, that I, first of all, can't get your name right. And that secondly, (laughs) I doubted a nine-year-old. And her actual heritage. I am very sorry. I think it comes down to that sort of... We kind of talked about this with, like, Snow White. That, like, having that simpering little girl voice. Yeah. Like, it gets played up really hard. Because there's no way that she talks like this all the time. Like, daddy, 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 daddy. I don't remember where I found this, but apparently Ron Clements was super into Sherlock. He had done a Sherlock Holmes animated short that he recorded on Super 8 film earlier in his career. Uh, so there is a a moment, a, a scene where they are at a at a mouse pub. I don't know. And there is a girl. How would you describe it? It wasn't burlesque. It was like a cabaret kind of? Cabaret, yeah. Singer. She is voiced by Melissa Manchester, who is a singer who was discovered by Barry Manilow and 
she ended up being a backup singer for Bette Midler in 1971. I fucking love Bette Midler. I love everything that she has ever done and that she stands for. So I also love Barry Manilow. True. Unironically. So that was pertinent to my interest. She's a good singer, I guess. Yeah, she She's has fine. a number of albums. I looked her up on Spotify because yes. I'm like, I don't recognize your name at yeah, all. Yeah, she's pretty prolific. I listened to the, I, I listened to like the first bit of the first five songs, like their most popular songs on Spotify. Haven't heard of any of them. Her top <laughs> song is the theme from the movie Ice Castles. I love Ice Castles. I don't think I've ever seen Ice Castles. You know, Fiona's mom is in Ice Castles. Shut up. Really? Mm-hmm. She, throw, she threw a rose. She's in the, uh, in, in the stands and she threw a rose and Robbie Benson tripped over it. So they had to redo <laughs> the scene. Claim to fame. I love Ice Castles. And the guy think, yeah, who voices the beast is in it. Really? I mean, yeah, guy, Robbie Benson. I mean, he was like 20. It's a terrible movie. Well, I'm sure it is. I read the like a quick like synopsis of it. I was like, this sounds awful. It's going to be a great experience when you watch it. In fact, I want to watch it with you. Okay. So the movie opens with this sort of sweeping overhead shot of animated London and in this big Disney 1986 font it says London 1897 and I was like I'm in. I'm already 100% in. You're fucking damn. I love those two things. They, the animation of the fog like that whole London fog thing going around yeah. is super cool too. They did that really well. It's really fun. And then I really love the juxtaposition of the human sized things and the mouse sized things. Yes. And little tiny little mouse versions of everything. So I have, before we get too deep into this, do the humans know the mice are there and living this? I'm assuming not. But like, if you saw a tiny little mouse toy store on the floor, on the ground of level of a toy store, wouldn't you be like, oh my God, that's amazing? I think that there is, we're operating under the assumption that humans don't notice them. Okay. I wasn't right. getting much of a co a, a peaceful cohabitation. Well, we don't really more of like see a... humans except for the occasional little bits. And it's usually like, you know, their feet or... Are you saying that you don't think they exist in this reality? No, but they're clearly not part of the narrative. No, they're not. So we're saying that the humans don't know that the tiny mouse community exists. That's what I'm guessing. Because we would have hunted them down, abducted their leader, and tortured them for some kind of mouse information. Mouse information? I don't know. Mouse information. Or do they live symbiotically? I don't think so. Okay. That's just my my gut feeling. Um, I'm not a scholar in this topic. I just that, that was something I thought of when I was watching because I rewatched it today. And I was like, this is some pretty like blatantly obvious little mouse store stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, anyway. So then we go, we we come into a tiny mouse toy store, Flavishams, and inside it's very is there's a lot of shit in there. Well, I mean, you got to make the best of your space. Yeah. So it's Hiram Flavisham and his daughter Olivia, and apparently is it's her- Jewish. We're trying to figure it out. Is Hiram a Jewish name? Is he a Jewish, Scottish, British mouse toy maker? <laughs> It's a lot of things for one little mouse to be. It's one thing for one little mouse to be. So his daughter Olivia's birthday is happening and he makes her this awesome little ballerina wind up thing, which yeah. is one of the things that I remember seeing. It made me think of Fern Gully. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Fern Gully. I haven't watched that in years. That's a great one. It has a bat in it, too. It does have a bat in it. You're right. I really wanted to know the mechanics of that dancing mouse because it was very fluid and especially compared to the the, janky robot, the extremely janky queen robot later, they were not even in the same universe. So I wanted to, I really wanted to Clearly he was putting his best work into this ballerina mouse. 
give, he gives kid this beautiful ballerina and she goes, Oh, daddy, I love it ever so much. Thank you, daddy. It's, it, this is the happiest I've been since my mom passed. Like, we don't know what happened to her mom. <laughs> She's just gone. She's just gone. She ran off with, our, I don't know, another mouse. And suddenly there's this like big bang on the door and she goes, Oh, daddy, who is it? And he like chucks his daughter into a cabinet. <laughs> And I mean, slams it shut. Legit. Sure, you gotta do what you gotta do. And this bat who has a peg leg has a peg leg comes in, and I would try to do an impersonation, but I can't. I I am not even gonna try because I'll just fuck it up and I'll sound right. like an idiot. He's basically like, "All right, Flavisham, come with me. I'm taking you away." And Flavisham's like, "No, but my daughter, I can't leave." Olivia, <laughs> Olivia, and she's watching through the door. She's like, "Daddy, where are you? Daddy, where are you going?" I didn't like her very much. Clearly. Um, so this this guy who voices the bat candy Candy Candido. Candido. He sounds very much like I mentioned earlier, sounds very much like the bad guys in Sword and Stone and Sleeping Beauty. And he's just kind of in this realm of like useless goons. Yeah. Like useless henchmen. Anyway, he kidnaps this mouse for whatever reason and Olivia's left all alone and she's freaked out. And then we slam cut to the Great Mouse Detective font. And there's a super upbeat song that plays. Which is so out of place. This is I have a quote in here from Abby from when we watched it. And she said, that was a very sad opening to be followed by such peppy music. Exactly. That's exactly right. right. Like, you just witnessed a brutal kidnapping and then it's like... Yeah, and it's like, what? Read the room, music. Read the fucking room, Mancini. Get your shit together. Then we cut to... It's it's cute. It's like underneath the carriage. There's a little yeah. carriage that the mice are in. I kind of I love the pan down of we start with the yeah. guy who looks like it should be Watson with his mustache and his paper, and he, we pan yeah. down to the footstep where <laughs> Dawson is are. sitting with his little newspaper. I love the little his newspaper. tiny mouth newspaper. I love the little things. I know. I love tiny versions of regularly sized things. We have a quote in my family that we say all the time, if it wasn't for the big things, we wouldn't have the little things. Sometimes it gets reversed. Sometimes if it wasn't for the little things, we wouldn't have the things. It's from something I have never figured out what it's from. Mm. But so every time we see something really big or really tiny, we always say this quote. I like that. It's a family thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Dawson hops off of the step. And he starts narrating, narrating his story. And we find out that he has recently returned from service in Afghanistan. And he's a doctor and he's looking for lodgings. And I'm like, I have some questions. How does a mouse get an MD? Well, clearly, if there's an entire mouse society, there what are his qualifications? Colleges. I want to know what his qualifications are. I want to see his degree. Uh, probably what went did he, mouse medical school. What did he do in the army? Why does a mouse serve in the army? Why isn't there a whole movie about the mouse war? Were just the British mice fighting the Afghanistani mice? The Afghan mice? I mean, the impression Was it that for I the got same reasons? through this whole movie is that everything that happened, like, at the human level was also happening at the mouse level? Do you know anything about that conflict? Not at all. I don't either. But I feel like it was probably religiously motivated. So, mice could be religious, right? If they can be surgeons, why not? Why not? Also, he makes it very clear because he's like looking at his paper and circling advertisements for rooms to rent. 
this is a veteran. Yes, doctor. Who is a doctor. And he presumably served as some kind of medic, I'm assuming. And he isn't being given enough of a pension to live alone. So he needs a roommate. This mouse is like 60 in human years. Yeah. They can't even take care of their mouse veterans. The <laughs> system is broken. Get your it is shit broken. together, England. And he has no plan. He has nothing. He comes back home and he's like, well. Well, now I guess I'll, I'll, I'll look at the paper out. and see if there's anyone who's willing to put up an old chap for a while. Yeah. So he starts walking and then we hear the crying pleas of a tiny mouse. And we find Olivia inside of a perfectly good-looking shoe. Mm-hmm. Why is the shoe on the side of the street? Like, this is Victorian England. Why did somebody lose their shoe? She's sitting on a box of what says liver pills. Why are there liver pills in a perfectly good shoe? I want to know what happened in that alley, because I am I suspect Jack the Ripper, quite I frankly. I suspect you are probably correct. Clearly, that is the human story happening at the same time as this movie. That would have been fucking hilarious. They had some horrible, grisly serial killer in the human world. And, the mice and in the mass about. world, they're just trying to find a rat. <laughs> We're on the hunt for Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> in the human world. So then we find Olivia and this poor baby Scottish mouse. Her home was ransacked, but she still took the time to put on her Scottish tam and her scarf as she went out to the streets to find... She's pretty cute. She's pretty fucking adorable. Very put together. So Dawson's like, yeah, okay, he's clearly a pushover. Like, this little girl makes, like, puppy dog eyes at him and he's ready to do anything Well, I don't know if that's a pushover so much as he has a bit of a humanitarianism. I guess, but, like, he literally is just, like... But he's kind of a pushover through this whole movie. I feel like... Watson is kind of portrayed as much more soft-hearted. Sure. So he goes, yes, I'll help you find Basil. So they go and they find it. And Basil isn't there now, but his, like house person is just like yeah come on in whatever so that is his landlady she's based on mrs hudson yes i like that they have like the human sherlock up above playing the violin it's kind of a nice nod to the original source stuff you know i knew that happened when i watched the movie and i didn't notice it either times because i watched it once and then i did my notes and my computer died and deleted my notes i had to watch it again a couple weeks later did not notice sherlock holmes the person really Mm mm-mm I must have been really hyper-focused on the bottom of that screen. Maybe. So then she goes to get crumpets or some shit, and then we get to see, like, the Rube Goldberg machine of shit. I guess he's trying to, like, find the right shoe print or whatever Mm -hmm. he's doing. The bullet. He's looking for the bullet markings. That's later, isn't it? Because this is before Basil has even come in. And then Basil bursts in in his weird costume and starts shedding that. and His deer hunter, his deer shocker cap. Very Holmesian. Very Holmesian. I really enjoy when he comes in, he's clearly working on something because he bursts in to start shedding shit like my old roommate, leaving a trail of Basil stuff behind him. And he has, he acknowledges that there are two people in his home, in his rented rooms, but he doesn't like say anything. He's just like, oh, hello. And then like ignores them. Yeah. It doesn't even occur to him to be like, why are you in my house? It doesn't occur. And one of them is a small child who's clearly distressed and is saying she's in terrible trouble and in need of, need of help. And he's like, well, okay, great. But I'm like over here now. So he, he clearly has zero cares about this child. And her he does concern. not give a shit. Okay, so my question about this is why does he have a nicely framed posed picture of Radigan on his mantelpiece? I think that he's just obsessed with them. I mean, that's like legit obsessed. Like, that's not even like a clipping out of a newspaper. This is like a posed photo. Yeah. 
in a beautiful frame that he has up on his mantelpiece. Like, what the fuck? That's weird. I don't remember where Moriarty is introduced in the Sherlock Holmes canon, but I feel like that might be a nod to that because the, he is, he's the the only person in, like, England who can outsmart Sherlock Holmes. Right. And that really wounds his pride. So he might, it might be like that or he's just really obsessed with it. Maybe. Or maybe I'm just really reading into this too much. I know that it was definitely in the BBC series where mm-hmm. Sherlock shoots, I think he shoots RV into the wall for Regina Victoria. Yeah. And that's just because he's bored and he is not normal in the head. So he thinks that's fine. But I did appreciate Basil just shooting up a pillow. Yeah. Just to with see. Like, again, not one care that there are other people in his home. Or that he probably doesn't own those pillows or that chair. They're not. No, I believe that whatever her- A the fully mouse, furnished room that he is renting. So yeah. Yeah. The mouse, the, the landlady is like, these are my good pillows. You fucking son of a bitch. What the hell? And that's your um, rent. Yeah, for sure. You just for sure lost your safety deposit. <laughs> but I appreciate that they, they brought that in because I'm pretty sure that that happened in the books too. So he shoots the pillows and it turns out they don't match and he becomes despondent. Yes, his um the bullet markings don't match. So I'm guessing he was looking for the gun. Yeah. The right gun. Um, he responds by becoming completely deflated and just like sinking into an immediate depression, sinking into his chair and ignoring this little girl who's like, can I talk to you now? Because my dad missing and i thought that did a pretty good job of kind of displaying how how self-absorbed he is too like he's not a good person no he's not a good person the only other note i have about that scene is that he's playing a violin with only four fingers but does it impressively well Mm. there's still four strings on that violin but there you go because the mice only have four fingers on a hand or three fingers and a thumb i guess do they yes radigan has five but rats only have the same number rats have five fingers oh okay Mice so he definitely is a rat He's, well at least according to the established canon of this movie yes okay so olivia tells basil basil that her father was taken by a pegged leg bat and he was like oh ho, 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 now he cares means. now he cares because that fidget is his name and he works for professor radigan and he's like oh it's the very man that i was studying as you came in Bye-bye. so now he's in and we cut to radigan and Hiram Flavisham and he is Flavisham is being forced to build some kind of robot prototype under duress he's very unhappy about it and we meet this stupid bat again I don't like this bat at all he's like this weird peg like bat and I don't know what it is with the bat being like shitty cronies because it's him and then is it Bartok in Anastasia yeah Pink Azaria plays Bartok who's also like a bat and it's just really a crappy crony too yeah Rasputin and I was like I know there are more examples so i googled bat cronies and apparently bat cronies were characters in hotel transylvania too and they were the secondary antagonists so i did not imagine that it is in fact a whole genre of bad cronies stereotype of characters yeah i had no idea i felt bad afterwards so Redigan is threatening Flavisham. He says, I'm going to get your daughter in here to make sure that she's safe. Because that's mm. definitely what bad guys try to do. Mm-hmm. And then he basically reveals his plan that his he's going to take over all of Mousedom. Mouse Kingdom? What is it? What's the phrase that he uses? I think he says Mousedom. Mousedom. So my question is, how does the Mouse Kingdom line of succession work? Because like I yeah. imagine that she has an heir. Well, we're assuming everything reflects human, how right. everything's working in human London. Who was Victoria's heir? Was 
Uh, Edward, I think. Yeah, that they all had. There right. was like three names. I don't know. Right, there's only like four names in England anyway. So Edward the Seventh. Okay. After he took over after the death of Queen. So I assume that Edward the Seventh, the mouse, is somewhere ready to take over. Tiny. So I suppose Kong. like Radigan's mostly just staging a coup. I think he's because he's trying to build that robot. I assume that he's trying to orchestrate a public transfer of power. Yeah. But I what know. are his plans? What are his stances? Glenn Keane was one of the animators, I believe. He, he decided to base the stature of Radigan on the then Disney CEO, Ron Miller, who was a six foot six former football player for the Los Angeles Rams. That's... I tried to figure out, so I went to look into it, like, how did a former football player become the CEO of Disney? Yeah. Like, that's a weird thing. Turns out it's just straight up nepotism at its finest. He was Disney's son-in-law. He's six six. Yeah. That's too tall. It's too tall. But so yeah, he was just, he got became the CEO just because he was Disney's son-in-law so he was already there i guess we were born to the wrong families i would 100 percent take nepotism i would take it absolutely bring it i don't give a shit damn so there are some shots of radigan kind of like far away shots where you see his whole stature and i just want to know based on physics how he's standing on his tiny little ballerina feet because he's like portrayed as a he's a rat so he's like a big guy he's a big bulky big bulky barrel chested but he's got little tiny feet little tiny feet in face Fancy shoes. Very fancy shoes. He also has a bitch and cravat. Yes, he's very well dressed. I do appreciate a well dressed villain. I'm mm-hmm. giving that. Me too. He also, like I said, he has five fingers, which was weird to me, but. Then we meet a bunch of his minions because he's having like some kind of meeting where he's revealing his plans via song. Well, you're not a villain if you can't have a group of lackeys that you explain your plan to in song. Lackeys is absolutely the right word for it. And there is one mouse in particular that is troublesome. Bartholomew. Bartholomew. So there's an abnormal amount of alcohol consumption there's in this movie. There's a lot of drinking in this movie. There's a lot of drinking in this movie for a children's movie in 1986. Yeah, this tiny drunk mouse is solid mood though. Like he, Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you in your wine fountain. I get it, little dude. Things yeah, are like hard I'm for here everybody. too, right? Like you ran out of beer and the wine fountain's slowing? Yeah, stick your head okay, in there. Okay, yeah, why the fuck not? Shit's terrible, um, man as well uh he is a let's say a loose-lipped mouse and we find out that professor radigan insists that he is a mouse and not a rat which is kind of a weird racial dynamic thing it's i feel it's a very odd racial dynamic yeah and because like do we we don't see any other rats i don't think so at all it's in just this movie him. ever so it's just radigan and it's very odd and yeah, his and name just is like... rat in it so he's clearly a rat right also what is he a professor of not being a rat <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know what Professor Moriarty was a professor. Let me look it up. Again, it's probably the same thing. Because, yeah, like, he's just, he's referred to as Professor Radigan, but, like, of what? A professor of what? Where did he get his degrees? If we're going to question the validity of Dawson's degrees, we have to question his as well. In, according to Wikipedia, Moriarty was a professor of mathematics. Okay. It says profession, former professor of mathematics, later criminal mastermind. (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. Cool, 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 cool. So there's this tiny mouse who's very tiny drunk. drunk he doesn't take very much because he's so tiny. He's so and tiny. He calls Radigan a rat, and Radigan gets real pissed off and is like, "You don't fucking call me that." And what's wrong me is because he doesn't say it like it's a bad thing. He's like, "Yeah, you're a great so, yeah, rat. You're a great rat." And that's a terrible thing to Radigan. So he so, calls out Felicia. He sends this mouse to his death. He sends the drunk mouse to get eaten. He's he goes dead. outside and he rings his bell that he pulls out of his pocket and Mm -hmm. Felicia, an absolute unit, shows up. 
this cat that is huge. Chunk. She She's is a, a chunk. She mm-hmm. is a unit. She is great. And she <laughs> eats the shit out of Bartholomew. Just chomps him right down. Like, he's a goner. Witnessing murder. But at least he died doing what he apparently loved best. Being well and truly sloshed. It's the only way to go in these very trying times. Right. We have established, because I think that we've met Toby by this point. Toby is the Basset Hound. No, not yet. That comes next. We haven't yet. No. So this is kind of laying the groundwork, though, for, like, cats are evil. Dogs are good. Dogs are good. And, I mean, it's true. It's not. It is. It is not true. I will bring up one of my two cats are right down at my feet, curled up, and fucking adorable. It is a truth universally acknowledged that cats are shitheads and dogs are great. I don't make the rules. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you know what? I don't have to take my cat outside to poop, so... Yeah, because you let them poop in the house. In a tiny designated spot that they it's follow. still gross. And then we clean it up. I, I don't have to walk outside in the winter it. or in the summer when it's really hot. I don't have to go out in the yard and pick up dog shit. I like it. I it, do that before I do my dishes. For your non-existent dog? My dog. I'll get, I'll dog. get We'll get Albert someday. Someday. Albert with his two big ears. Why are his ears so big? So then we cut back to Basil and Dawson and Olivia, and their Basil is getting ready to go on a hunt for the bat with a peg. He's been what? looking for Fidget for a while. Yes, now he has a lead, mm-hmm. and he just kind of like adopts Dawson, and he just completely forgoes all of the getting to know you bullshit. It's just like, oh, you mean we haven't known each other for ten years? Well, we're gonna pretend. I know. I, I did the same thing. I said, have Basil and Dawson actually had a conversation, or are they just like auto bros? Like auto they just, bros, a hundred percent. And maybe it's because. Because Basil doesn't have any people skills, so he's never been able to make a friend. And he just accepts. He's just like, you're mine now. He just takes Dawson. He's like, yeah, we're, we're just going to be bros. And Dawson yeah. is just like, what? Okay, what? And he just I goes just with it. I from Afghanistan. I need therapy. Right. And so then Basil's like, Olivia, you're not coming with us. You're a child. You can't do that. And she's like, I'm going to put all these crumpets in my pocket and take them all and go with you. And she just does. Yeah, I great. fucking respect that. If you're going to go on a hunt, you need a snack. You need sustenance. For you need sure. something. You're going to be, a, your tiny mouse heart's going to be beating real fast. You got to take those crumpets. Take, take them all. Take those crumpets, girl. So then they go and we get the fun reveal of, Olivia, you're not coming. And then there she is with them, which is one of my favorite things. And so they're in the baseboards and that little like circle of wood swinging out is great out of Cinderella. Very Cinderella. It's very Cinderella. I was like, that's the Cinderella thing. Throwback. Throwback. And then Basil calls Toby, who we discover is a big old basset hound good boy who loves treats and belly rubs like all good dogs like a dog like a good dog like a good dog good big dumb dog and so they go and he they have the hat from fidget that they found on the ground and toby's gonna hunt him down using the bat wears the hat how does the bat keep the hat on when he's flying so good question he doesn't fly that much that's one of the things i don't do is like he walks around a lot maybe he's got like bum wings or something because he doesn't really do a lot of it and so they go off and Toby takes the scent and they go running off. And then we cut to Fidget is hanging upside down, but he's got a peg leg and a shoe on. So I'm not quite sure how that's working. That's a Disney physics right there. That is Disney physics for sure. And Radigan gives him a list and says, go get these things. So he goes off and flies off and Toby runs up to the store with Basil and Dawson and Olivia. And they go, they go into this toy store using a circle of glass that has no hinges, but somehow still open. 
opens. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there is something unsettling about toy stores after dark. Legit. And I feel like this movie did a really good job encapsulating that. Yeah. Terrifying dolls, terrifying clown dolls, terrifying Jack in the Box. Everything about the store was terrifying. It's uncomfortable for sure. I don't, I, again, I don't really exactly know what it is, but there's something about, maybe it's just dolls being creepy in general. I think it's, yeah, like dark lighting and dolls. Dolls are all kind of creepy. Like every they time are. I think about dolls, I think about the doll carousels at House on the Rock. <laughs> yeah. And those yeah. are pretty terrifying. Made worse by how musty everything smells there. Musty and just like the weird music that plays over everything there. Mm-hmm. What a weird place. What a great place. Connor and I talked about doing a flash mob wedding there. Oh, that'd be fun. But, you know, then COVID hit and we decided to not do that. They're going through the toy store and they're finding all sorts of clues and they find the guard dolls that have their uniforms taken off because Fidget took them. And Faz is like, oh, don't you know? Can't you see? Because I'm a dick and I can't just, like, explain things without being an asshole. And (laughs) Olivia is, like, setting toys off because, you know, she's like a seven-year-old mouse. What does she know? And then so they're walking across a chessboard and this really bugged me. I actually backed it up, like, four times to see if the chess move that he actually made made any sense. It did not. <laughs> no. Well, because like I'm like, okay, so he he moves a rook one spot, yeah, and he's no. like, oh, checkmate, and I'm like, nothing about that board looks like moving this rook one spot would be a checkmate. So I looked and I like I backed it up and I showed it. If it moved where I thought it moved, the only thing he could take out with that rook is the knight or two separate pawns because the can, rook can only move in straight lines; it can't move right, diagonally. Right. And the king was like in a fucking corner. Did he say check or checkmate? He said checkmate. Checkmate means that there right. is no way You're to done. come out. The king can't move in a way that won't result in being taken. You gotta take out the queen first. She's the worst. The queen was definitely still on that board. Anyway, mm-hmm. I think Basil's a faker and a liar. I don't know shit about chess, but I know that if your king's in a corner, no, whatever. Anyway, he was definitely lying about that. He did not checkmate that at all. So now he's a liar on top of everything else. So then, so they're going through and suddenly all of the windups around them start going off. Right. How did Fidget get all of them going? I don't know. He doesn't even have two working legs. He doesn't even have two working legs. Every time he moves, he clunks. And <laughs> Maybe they're like, all in a timer. They all, they don't have timers. That's not a thing. Maybe they do. And then stupid fucking Olivia is like, oh, look, there's bubbles. And yeah, she follows the bubbles. She's this so. This is why they didn't want her to tag along. <laughs> It's exactly why you don't want a tiny dumb mouse to come with you. And she goes, and then we get um a little Easter egg of a Dumbo wind-up guy that she walks past. Oh, is uh, D-Dog in there? D-Dog. Oh, someday we're going to do that movie and it's going to suck. And then she looks inside of this, like, bassinet thing where Fidget is wearing a baby bonnet and then sticks her in a sack and... Kidnaps her. Kidnaps her and escapes out the roof on the massive pile of toys that goes all the way up to the ceiling to where the window is open in London where it rains a lot. Yes. This was one of those times, I mentioned this later on, but I'll just just bring it up now. I feel like some of the action sequences went on just a hair too long for a kid's movie because there are a couple points where I just like found myself on my phone because I'm like, this is boring. Like, get to the point. I don't even think it's a matter of too long for a kid's movie. I think they just went too long. But I also really hate action scenes like that, so. Yeah, I do too. I just find them boring. So at this point, two people have been kidnapped. Presumably, mouse society operates roughly the same as human society. So shouldn't the mouse police be involved? 
Yeah, it's a really solid question. At the same time, like, how... So, the case that Basil's trying to solve at first when he's shooting the gun into the pillows, like, how does he even have this bullet that is clearly evidence of some sort of crime? Right. We we don't meet a Lestrange character. We don't meet somebody who, no. like, operates within Scotland Yard or whatever Mouse Scotland Yard is. Are you kidding? Mouseland Yard. Great. Can you imagine the Mouse Scotland Yard? Oh, they'd have their tiny hats on. Their tiny hats. They'd probably all have big bushy mustaches. Yeah, yeah, oh. like like Dawson. Would have been great. They missed out. Would have been cute. They really missed out. But there isn't any like official ties to any kind of law enforcement. No, we don't see anyone, which is weird. Usually, you would see something. Huh. Yes. And then Radigan gets mad that Fidget saw Basil and tries to feed him to Felicia because that's apparently the theme of this movie. Yes, it's weird. And then we go back to Basil and Dawson. They're back at two twenty one Baker Street and two twenty one B two twenty one B Baker Street. And they Dawson's like two twenty one B. Sorry, Baker. Street. I have this this letter or this note from Fidget and. Basil does his... Yeah, it was like a to-do list. Yeah, it was, a ch- it was a, basically a checklist of here's the shit you need to get. Gears... What was it? Gears girl uniforms or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And Basil's like, oh, this paper is exactly from this and they use this kind of pen and this kind of ink and just being a know-it-all. Which is very Sherlock Holmes. Very Sherlock Holmes, which I think I might hate. And then he does like the weird science thing i'm doing science i put these ashes in this thing and i yeah mix some chemicals together i really wanted somebody from like reddit's chemical reaction gif subreddit to explain exactly what's happening because he burns the paper and then dumps the ashes into some kind of liquid that then distills and creates a chemical reaction and i was like and somehow ends up with salt water yeah it ends up with salt water and i'm like i i'm not a chemist by any means i know nothing about chemistry but I don't think that there's that's rooted in any kind of reality. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think you can just make salt water like that. This reminds me of Jack in Nightmare Before Christmas when he's like crushing yes. up ornaments and doing the same <laughs> sort of dumb science. Like, what is this? Yep. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay, so then they figure out where the paper came from. Yeah, apparently it could only come from this one spot, which seems dumb, but okay. And he says it has to come from the only spot in London where the sewer drains into the Thames. So here's the thing. The Thames River, which cuts through London... It's probably better now, but in the 19th century, it was like literally nothing but human waste and corpses. It was fucking disgusting. Gross. People would get sick all the time. You wouldn't go anywhere near it. It was like a toxic sludge wasteland. So I don't believe, of all the things that I don't believe in this movie, including a mouse detective, I don't believe that there was only one spot in London where the sewers drain into the Thames. It was nothing but sewers draining into the Thames. Yeah. So they lost me there. Yeah. Pulled you right out of the movie. I I can only suspend my disbelief for so long before (laughs) I start taking it personally. They go to this place and there is a mouse brothel basically it seems like it might be a brothel yeah and they go in they're in a they're in disguises dawson looks like smee he is rocking that crop top though he He is way ahead of those times let that belly roll we love it and there's more there's just a bunch of drunk mouses like the one who got eaten by the cat there's a bunch of drunk mouses and there's There's a piano player and a juggling octopus it's an octopus who's juggling what i feel really funny about the octopus is that he's only juggling like three 
balls with two arms. Like, mm. this is an octopus. Shouldn't you have him doing, like, a bunch of yeah, stuff? He's not very good. He's not a good juggler. Didn't get much applause. Bad juggling octopus. And then there's the piano player who's playing, and the keys are all going... Yes, very... They, like, um, wave around. It's my favorite. Very, like, Steamboat Willie. Yeah. And then there's this whole singer situation. Like this... We decided on cabaret, didn't we? Yeah, this cabaret singer. Um, She's a girl mouse. She's got boobs. She's got a garter belt on. She's an okay singer, but not enough to calm down this rowdy crowd. That bothered me a lot. Yeah. And she had some, like, Christine Daae voice that just calmed the savage beast. And I don't understand why this was a thing, because she's never named. She's not an important character. No, she she's do anything. just literally... Like so, originally the song that was sung in this tavern was supposed to be a parody of a Victorian British music hall song, okay. and Mancini had written one for it and actually recorded it already. But Eisner wanted something that was more contemporary to draw in audiences, so he had suggested Michael Jackson, which was apparently was met with uncomfortable silence. Yeah, it makes sense. And so he withdrew that one. And then he later proposed Madonna, and finally the song "Let Me Be Good to You" was performed mm-hmm. by Melissa Manchester, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Like I said, I never heard of her sorry melissa manchester if you ever hear this yeah i said that i'm not interested in singing mice unless it's five little sister yeah singing somewhere out there and then it's time for a bar fight yeah then there's a bar fight because bar somebody fight. says something to her is that right um i don't remember what starts the bar fight i think it was just the natural progression of bar fights yeah they just they were spontaneously drinking. Things get rowdy. i think this is the spot where it's most evident that they did not have time to complete this movie as they could have kind of choppy animation it's not even that it's choppy all of the backgrounds are just like stills Oh, I didn't even notice that. Like, if you go back and watch, the mice in the background are not moving at all. They are just Mm. still flat images. It was very odd. So Basil and Dawson follow Fidget through a trap door behind the bar and through pipes and finally- It's all very convenient. It's all very convenient. And they finally come out. I guess they're in, like, some sort of wine cellar or something? Yeah. And we we see the giant R on a barrel. Like, how is that a secret layer? if you've got your fucking initials on the barrel. Well, you know, he's busy. He doesn't have time to be a genius in all things. Okay. So they pop up out and (laughs) this welcome banner drops and there's confetti and streamers and like how long has Radigan had this banner prepared? I hope for a long time. I think it has been. So Basil and Dawson get captured by Radigan Mm -hmm. and Basil just like like fucking shuts down. Yeah. So he captures them and he puts them in another kind of Rube Goldberg situation where they're tied to a mousetrap and then when the mousetrap goes off it's going to set off this alarm that's going to set off no so what happens is the record player is going to play the song that Radigan specifically composed and recorded just for Basil's demise right which I think is fucking hilarious pretty metal pretty metal and when that ends it's going to start a marble rolling that's going to go down a track that's going to set off the mousetrap that's also going to set off a gun and a crossbow and an axe and an An anvil and and it's a very complicated system he he basil cracked the code and he gets stuck into one death trap and he gives up and that's not very scrappy that's not that's not who we love well this is clearly a guy who is not used to not winning right like Um, the first time that things go poorly and the same thing happened earlier when he didn't the guns didn't match yeah he just shuts down completely he just fucking shuts down like get your shit together and solve your problem bro 
Oh, and then our favorite, our favorite Disney jokes, fat jokes. Mm-hmm. Radigan says, sorry, chubby, to Dawson. Mm. Fun. Because Dawson is chubby, so it's good to point that out. Cause he's it's good to point that out for a laugh. Yeah. It's important yeah. to do that. It's funny. It's a funny joke. But then Radigan's like, you were late. I gotta go. So he doesn't follow through on his plan to kill. Considering he cared enough to have a banner made and he composed a song, you think he'd really want to stick around to watch it happen? Yeah, like follow through is such a problem for villains. That's an intricate Rube Goldberg situation. Yeah, that you have set up. That's all. That's all. So Radigan goes off, and Dawson is left to try to get Basil to get his shit together. And he does, and they do, and Basil snaps out of it, saves them all, and they... Quickly perform some physics in his head like you do. Like you do, and they take a picture, and they call Toby. The day is saved. They save the day, he catches the kid, it's all great. And then they go, because they know that he's going to the castle for the queen to... The Jubilee. The Jubilee. So, the Jubilee, the uh, Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee, the Jubilee is the anniversary of ascending the throne of the beginning of your reign and Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee which is the 60th anniversary was in 1897 oh good job Disney yeah so they did a pretty good job with that research like that was a little detail that I I enjoyed considering they put a a pocket inside the wing of the bat yeah I had to know what to do the pocket is his in his wing it's in his wing like it's just something that bats have which is not true no I'll contest that okay so if the mouse queen and the human queen are both both celebrating their diamond jubilee. Yeah. How old is the mouse queen? Well, mice definitely don't live that long. Maybe they do in this movie. What is the lifespan of mice in this movie? Because if so, if, if they're living concurrently with humans, it's not like mice years are, you know, compacted down because then they'd be on a different timeline. I don't know. God, I wish we could ask the writers. Is the mouse Explain counterpart of the human person magically born at the same time? It might be just like a dog year thing, but like it's her diamond jubilee, but in mouse years that's only like seven years okay but then that's my point is mm-hmm. that in seven years it's still gonna be fucking queen victoria but they're gonna be on to like their second or third yeah. air from that so probably i think the mice are long lived in this movie okay well that's fair because it's the only way that those timelines line up unless they just this one specific time period everything is the same well dawson doesn't he say that he was in afghanistan for two years i think so yeah so that's something mice? that's like normal normal yeah. people time so yeah i think that I think we're are... really overthinking this. That's all we do. Have you listened to the podcast? I guess what the podcast is about, yeah. Our entire podcast is overthinking Disney movies. Yeah. So we meet the robot that Flavshim has been tasked with building. There's a, a nice little swap out because the queen has no security whatsoever. No so Pegleg McGee stumbles in and manages to, I don't know, ether her and shove her in a closet. And her robot doppelganger, her very janky-ass robot doppelganger is presented how who is falling for this shaky ass robot queen imposter she's so shaky shaky as hell she's like a parkinson's patient it's bad she really is yeah so they present this robot queen and radigan gets it to say that he's the consort of the queen i guess and then he thinks that that makes him able to like make decrees like right that's yeah not what a consort i don't think is. he understands how politics works not at all but the scroll running down the aisle like when he opens the funny. scroll that was 
was that's, pretty that's fun. a good uh physical comedy moment yeah and then when he when we <laughs> when we come back to it and he's saying item number 96 so like this dude's been talking for like yeah ages <laughs> Because he says something like he, uh, we want to raise taxes, particularly against the people who are causing us the most financial waste, you know, the elderly, the infirm, and of course, children. And I said, this guy is literally Trump. He dresses tacky. He hates sick, old and young people. No one asks for him and he has tiny hands and feet. (laughs) Yeah. And it was around this point, because I'd watched this movie again, like, maybe a month ago, and then lost my notes, so I watched it again. This was the point where I was, like, starting to check out, and I started watching videos of people building sculptures out of chocolate on Reddit. I love watching people build shit out of chocolate. It was like a fucking working clock tower. It's bananas what they can do It's completely insane. I love it. We should start a chocolate sculpture podcast. We absolutely should. I can't do it. I don't know what that podcast would entail, because so much of that is visual. So Basil shows up and takes over the robot and punches saves Radigan the day. and saves the day. And Radigan goes off in his like blimp. His little Zeppelin. His little Zeppelin. Yeah. With Fidget like pedaling really hard to make it move. <laughs> and Basil's like, well, shit, we got to follow him because he's got Olivia. He stole Olivia because yeah. poor Olivia is just a pawn in this movie. She really is. So he has Dawson and Flavisham, Hiram Flavisham, who's now with them, gather up balloons and he steals steals the fucking flag from the castle like the yep. big human flag and he ties it around the balloons and they release the air out of a balloon to fly and it's a really great like balloon noise yeah that's funny it was really a good one and so they they follow him and they catch up and he and basil and radigan end up having a big old fight in the clock tower sure and what what else happens oh toby chases felicia and she gets up on top of a like wall or whatever and is like mm-hmm. i'm better than you i'm a cat and then she jumps over <laughs> the other side of the wall and gets attacked by the guard dogs because apparently that's their pen yeah that was fairly gruesome that's it she's done she's, she's done for just like that little drunk mouse just like the drunk mouse so this is one of the points that made me think about, like, do the humans know about the mouse community? Because yes. Radigan's Zeppelin gets flown into the clock face of Big Ben and presumably yes. just hangs there in the broken glass. Causes some damage. Somebody must go up there to fix the clock face at some point. Do they not question this tiny Zeppelin? <laughs> Oi, there's another tiny Zeppelin up here. <laughs> another one? Oh, Will someone get Nigel? Tell him what's going on. Nigel, look. <laughs> What is this a tiny top hat? Why is there a tiny top hat? <laughs> oh, I don't like it. So, you know, they fight in the thing. Basil gets Olivia up to her dad and then they end up on the clock hands. And also it- this movie is it's like an hour and 15 minutes. It's not long. It is a very short movie. Yeah. So then there. So Basil pulls out the bell that Radigan used to call Felicia and yes. rings out. Why? Why does he ring this bell? I don't know because she's dead, right? Right. It's not like you're calling the cat to eat Radigan. And then the like Big Ben goes off and rings shakes and everything. Shakes everything and Radigan falls to his death or whatever. Why did he? Yeah, I guess Don Was it just like a distraction? Probably. And then Basil or not? Radigan 
Dragon fall down and Basil like pedals his way back up with just the little propeller bit of the thing. So I'm assuming that that was a nod to, of course I didn't look it up. There is a book, a Sherlock Holmes book that is the final confrontation between Moriarty and, and Holmes. And it's okay. the something, it's it's some waterfall in Switzerland, I think. So like Reichbeck or Richerback Falls and it's called like the incident at Richerback Falls. I absolutely got that wrong. Someone's going to fucking come for me. But that I'm assuming that was do. a nod Let to that because they, no one listens. But I they both fall off of it and that's like presumably the death of both of them. So okay. I'm guessing that that was a, a, a little nod to, a that. nod to that. Okay. And then he bikes his way up. I don't know how. how, like, how yeah, I don't think that's in that movie. I don't think that's in that story, but then, maybe. Yeah. And then they, they, they've saved the day and they go back to 221 Baker Street. 221B. 221B Baker Street. Clearly, I don't care about Sherlock. I do really like how at the very end, the fl- the Flavishems go off and they're going to go live their little mouse lives. And Dawson is like, well, that was exciting. I have to go find a place to live now. So I'm going to leave. And Bass is like, well, are you sure you don't, you don't want you don't want to stay and live with me and solve mysteries together, old chum? I've known you for a day. Literally a day. It's but... been like a day. But and then he's like, well, I do you want to live? Do you want to like, do you want to like move? It's like Animal Crossing. Do you want to move in? I know we just in. met. We just but met. Do you want to move in? Really Really enjoy it. Be my neighbor. It's like hella cool here. Oh, then we have like you know the the femme fatale of a noir film walks in the door and Bob yeah, I'm like, wondering if that was I solve all my crimes with this guy. If that one, was like supposed to be Irene Adler. Oh, maybe. Do you think they're planning a sequel that we never got? Possible. It's possible. A 45 minute sequel. Anything else? I don't think I actually like Sherlock stuff. I think he that's is fair. He is an asshole. A terrible person. He yeah. spends this entire. He, like this Basil character spends this entire movie gaslighting Dawson. Like Dawson Do you should think fucking so? run. Well, yeah, because he's like, you have to take care of Olivia, and then like the second Olivia does something stupid, it's like, why weren't you taking care of Olivia? It was your job to take care of Olivia. You're supposed to be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Like, yeah, he's just really awful. Dawson should totally be bolting out of there. Instead, he's like, yep, I'm in. Let's solve crimes for the rest of our lives. I don't remember what which book it was, but there is a a story where they are sneaking through someone's home and they need to create a diversion so out of nowhere Sherlock reaches out and knocks over this big bowl of fruit and there's like a moment of silence and he looks at Watson and says that's a pretty mess you've made you better clean that up and then he walks away because he needs to create a distraction yeah I don't know I've always found the whole Sherlock knows everything about you with just a glance thing really irritating Mm -hmm. not very believable well and like (laughs) something I think about every time so in the BBC Sherlock there's the like the first episode when like he's like oh she's clearly got a like a, a drinking problem because there's scratches there's all over scratches her scratches yeah, like, yeah. I can't get that fucking thing in there right the first time ever well you have a drinking problem too Jesse clearly I have a, I think about that too every time like I'm trying to like put plug something in or like unlock my you ever door try to in the do dark. that in the dark right like Sherlock have you tried plugging in your phone in the dark it is not easy obviously I've got scratch marks around it you're an asshole anyway that's all this girl has to say it's all i have to say do you have anything else about it i don't think so what would you rate this film Allie? i'm going to give this film three and a quarter out of 5.38 deer stalker caps solid solid i think i'm gonna go with like a four out of six rube goldberg machines that's pretty good um because i think it's a fun movie yes i think it's a fun cool cute movie to watch abby really loved this movie oh that's good i'm glad she enjoyed it 
but it's fairly forgettable at the same time. I think part of that is because it is such a short film, but then it has those weird, long But it's a short film, scenes. but it's not, like, very gripping, I guess. Like, I had just watched yeah, it it's kind not of basic. even that long ago, and I was like, I don't really remember what happened in this movie. I have to watch it again just so I can actually talk about it. Yeah, because, so we watched it, like, a month ago, and I lost my notes, and I was like, oh, I don't want to watch it again, I don't want to watch it again. And then when I watched it again, I was like, oh... Yeah, it all kind of flew out of my head, like, as soon as it was off. I had 100% forgotten everything about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good that I had to watch it again, because otherwise I would not have yeah, anything to say Yeah, that's how right I felt, now. too. It was, it, it worked. It was, like, in the moment, it was fun. I'm not, I'm going to give it that. It was enjoyable to watch when it was on. Yeah. But I wouldn't, like, seek it out. It was good that we had this this episode. Now we can never think about it again. Because like, like I'm not going to be like, oh man, I should really watch The Great Mouse Detective again. Probably not. I'm never going to think that. Whereas I'm sure being like, oh man, we should totally do Rescuers because that movie was legit. And I remember watching that a lot when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in so long. And Rescuers Down it. Under where everyone has an Australian accent. Bring it. Okay, you do that. So like though, like that to me is like, oh yeah, I would watch that again. But like I'm never going to be like, oh, The Great Mouse Detective. I need to watch that again. Yeah, I was thinking about that. How like one of, one of the movies that I would not mind habitually watching is Coco. That was a good one. And I love Coco. It makes me cry every single time I watch it. It makes me cry. Legit. This movie did not make me cry. Not once. True failing of a movie. Yeah. Didn't make us cry. That's right. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our episode about the Great Mouse Detective. If we wildly fuck something up, please let us know. Or if you just disagree with us, you can let us know too. Just shoot us a, an email or a, a, a tweet or twit. A, a DM. You can find <laughs> us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WTPAPod. And our email is WTPAPod at gmail.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. What is Super 8 film? I don't even know, man. Oh. I think it's a little shit, the skinny. You pop your chocolate in your mouth real confidently, so I thought you were going to have an answer for me. Nah, please. That's all Make good. it to you, make it.